0: Welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson. And today uh, we're going to dive into a discussion about pastoring through a pandemic. And our guest is going to give a unique insight uh, from a perspective that uh, most people don't have this this viewpoint of the church. But before we get to him, I want to thank you all for your support. Uh, I want to thank you for liking, subscribing, and sharing, whether you're hearing this on podcast audio, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching and subscribing and supporting. Continue to share these videos and these podcasts with people that you believe that it will help and encourage, because that's our goal, to love God and to love our neighbor, and we do it through this vehicle called podcasting. And so God bless you. Uh, now to our guest, uh, Pastor Keith Haney. Welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor podcast.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to have this conversation with you.
0: Well, I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I, I found you uh, just through looking around and trying to find somebody who would talk to me about pastoring through a pandemic and I came across you and you're like, well, I'm not actually a pastor at a church. I actually uh, oversee a bunch of churches. So Pastor Haney, why don't you tell the folks who you are, what you do, uh, so they can understand your perspective.
1: Sure. So a, I've am. been a pastor, actually, next year will be 30 years, um, Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. So we're kind of in uh, uh, the 6,000 churches that we have under our umbrella, our denomination. Um Married, I have six kids, um, two grandkids. My one married son is in the Army and just got stationed out in Colorado. So i oh. uh, got kids a little bit closer than they were before. So we're excited about that. Uh, moved to Iowa about two years ago. Actually, I got here right before the pandemic hit. And so I move in and trying to get to learn the area and all of a sudden, boom, March, everything gets shut down. Um, but before that, I served in, um, I started up my ministry in Detroit as a pastor, Detroit, Michigan. I served there for about two years. Then I served inner city uh, St. Louis for about four years. I served in Milwaukee for eight years as a pastor. Then I served in the Chicago area in the same role for about 240 churches uh, in the Chicago area. And then I moved here to Iowa uh, to two years ago. So doing this role where I work, I'm the mission executive for this area. So I work with 160 churches, helping them kind of discover uh, how to do God's mission in a variety of ways. Because we have a lot of different kind of congregations. We have rural, we have urban, we have ethnic congregations. So we have the whole gamut of of congregations and people types in our district. So I get to work with that. I also do human care, um, and I also do stewardship. So I teach stewardship to congregations, help with human care. So when I when the pandemic hit, I had to put off my mission hat and put on my human care hat and I'm sitting there watching video after video, press conference, a press conference and the new CDC guidelines and I, I watched so much Tony Fauci and all this is I'm trying to help churches figure out how do you navigate with the rules and regulations that Iowa had as well as nationally in terms of helping them get up to speed and do ministry. So.
0: Amen. Well, that that sounds like a lot, especially with the world just being flipped upside down. (laughs) You know, it it probably changes a a lot for you. Um, Like you said, you have to switch from what you're normally doing to a more um, proactive role in understanding guidelines and (laughs) and all kinds of stuff. And and as a pastor, I, I had to try to do the same thing myself because it was difficult keeping up with. You know what are the guidelines? What are they saying now? What changed here? What? And then you have those pastors that didn't care about that. They were like, you know, we're just going to trust God and we're just going to do what we're going to do. And, and we'll get into that a little bit later, <laughs> because I, I think we have to we have to discuss that just a little bit. So, uh, right off top, from your perspective, what were some of the biggest challenges for churches um, when this pandemic hit?
1: That's a great question because. To me, there were there were two major challenges. Number one is depending upon the size of your congregation and your situation. So in Iowa, we have some churches that are smaller. So and I would kind of give you some background. Iowa didn't go right away to the lockdown because 80 percent of Iowa's income is essential. I mean, we're farming, so you, you can't you can't shut farms down, and so all the workers, a lot of the workers here were far, were somehow involved in the farm industry or meat processing plants. So those those jobs didn't shut down, and we didn't shut down right away. So, the ones in small rural congreg, small rural areas, were able to social distance in their congregation without really having to shut down. Some right away moved to outside worship, so they stayed in their cars and they did worship still together. In their cars, for our ones in our in the major cities, they had much stricter lockdown rules, like in Des Moines, um, Ames, because that's a college town here. Um, so they had they had different uh, set of guidelines. Some pastors had physical things like diabetes or other existing conditions that they may, they maybe not have wanted to shut down, but for out of, out of concern for themselves and their members who were older that that created some people having to make that decision. So we had a lot of range of outcomes that we had to kind of work through and everybody had to kind of decide for themselves what risk was good for them and acceptable for them in their congregation.
0: Yeah, I um I have family in Iowa. Um grandmother uh my wife's grandmother and her side of the family's in Iowa. Actually, she just came back. My wife just came back from Iowa, Des Moines. Um where uh, my grandfather on her side, uh, pastored there for many years in Iowa. And so he actually passed away in 2000, the Christmas of 2019.
1: Wow.
0: So (laughs) that very next six months or so the whole, well, three, three to four months after that, the whole world just changed, um, for everybody. And, that was a a really interesting time and so yeah iowa i remember um you know iowa not going right to lockdown, but kind of doing it in phases where here in colorado where i am and uh they they went to a full lockdown (laughs) like right away uh they shut everything down and you know put us in 14 day you know and so for me uh it was we had about a week or so (laughs) to figure out what we were going to do you know because They were telling us that this was coming, and so we started trying to get Zoom and Facebook live up and everything so that we can make that transition, and for a little while, we were okay, and then they shut everything down, and it was just a different world. It was different. So when you talk to actual individual pastors, what was the feedback that you were getting from individual pastors?
1: Again, it, it varied because everybody had a different mindset. You had some people who were going, "Are we going to let the government <laughs> shut down the church?" Yeah. So that was that was one set of people, um, and and, that, and that's honestly a difficult conversation because what what ended up happening in that was, and I just saw a commentator just mention this recently. It's like he almost said the church wasn't faithful by by shutting down like it did. Mm. And I and I get his point because it's like it does seem like we lost because we, we've some churches never got not got back yet. Yeah. Some of those in I would have shut down who were worshiping at a certain percentage and only backed by 25 percent of their previous membership. So it is going to cause some churches that were already on the edge of closing. It's going to force them to finish. It's going to finish them off.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. There were other pastors who go, if it's just two weeks, I don't mind. Doing it because I want to make sure that we're, we're faithful to the because co- it comes about faithful to the community, because what does it say to the community if an outbreak happens and our church is a super spreader for it, what's that witness? to right. the community So you, you got you got those two sides of that coin of we want to be a good witness to the community, but we also want to be faithful to the separation of church and state. And so you, you had those two forces and and there was no great answer yeah it really was and for our our church body our population is really much much older so we're average ages above 50 like 50 60 almost so for our membership we had a we had a rush through with COVID in our in our older population we could lose most of our church body so yeah. Yeah. Th- that was another part because that it was hitting older people more than it was younger people
0: yeah that i mean you are absolutely right you know you were caught between those two opinions and it was a struggle because yet some people, I think what really made it a struggle was because of how adamant people were in this divisive conversation. They just separated and took sides and said, look, you're, you know, you're you're letting the government control you and this side, you know, and and me and our elders, when we got together and we talked about it, that was our concern is that we would hate to be the church, right? that had an outbreak and someone, you know, God forbid passed away because of that type of thing, you know, and other churches were like, well, you got to have more faith than that. And it's like, I don't, oh man, it was such a struggle, you know, to figure out what was right in those circumstances, those situations. And and our church is is younger. And so, you know, we, we kind of took that into consideration, but for the most part, we tried to follow the rules and everybody wasn't a fan of us following the rules they they felt like you know you're not you're not having faith you know and then when pastors of uh pastors and bishops of larger denominations especially african-american denominations were passing away people were like well, whoa maybe we made a mistake you know <laughs> maybe we made a mistake and then others said well it was just their time to go and it's like wow this is really difficult <laughs> <laughs> right. uh and so um when you know when you were called upon um to you know figure out guidelines and things like that you, you in doing your research what was your advice um to you know your board or to the body that you were serving
1: so my advice was pretty simple because we our governor did not take a stand on public worship she just didn't touch that one <laughs> So there was no churches have to shut down. It was like it's up to the faith community to decide what's best. Here are some guidelines. So what I gave people were here with the guidelines. Um, and some, some went to a guidelines where they, they separated their services so that there was more time in between. And they brought some people in to, uh, to actually, you know, sanitize the yep. church in between services. <laughs> we had churches that had service, sanitized, and skipped a pew. So there was there was social distancing in the, the congregation. Some just shut down altogether and only did online worship. Yeah. Now, those that went to only online worship are still not back, most of them yet. And they lost a lot of people because people are still afraid to come back. And it was amazing to me, but the older ones came back faster. Mm. Than the younger ones did. The younger was like, you know, it's not bad to sit at home with my kids in my pajamas and watch church. Right, (laughs) you know, I I could get used to this, and they did get used to it. And so there was that that tension of how do you remind people of the value of being together on Sunday morning and the benefits of the fellowship you only get when you're together. And now you got to kind of repackage that to people who have lost that because they're at home in their pajamas with their coffee, their Starbucks, and they're at church.
0: Yeah. And and if you, and if you shut zoom off and say, okay, well, we're just going to be in person, then you risk losing them forever. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, we are faced with the same challenges, you know, we kind of did a hybrid type thing where you know we kind of just worked with whatever the guidelines were but we kept the doors open for those that said i can't do the online and so that kind of kept but then there were people that we just we just never got back they just never came back after being on zoom some are still on Zoom, even though we're the congregation is, the room is filling back up and people are coming back in and we're starting to do outreaches again and we're starting to do things together. Everybody's not on board <laughs> just yet, you know, with that. And I, I feel like that's fine. Uh, I just think as, as the church, we have to faithfully move forward, right? And, and, and try to gather the people back in um, to that. How, how, what is that messaging like? in in your denomination
1: i i don't, I think we struggle with it because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you don't want to be law based you don't yeah. want like, you've yeah. got to be in church because if you're not going to church, you're going to go to hell um, <sighs> yeah that do, that doesn't work <laughs> but people have started to go, what really is the benefit of being in person yeah you know and so you got that sense of people people that were already on the edge anyway of leaving. You, you've lost them. So now you either have to decide, do I spend my energy trying to go after those who we lost, who are, you know, kind of on the fringe, connected, or do we just go for those who were completely never part of our fellowship in the first place? You have to decide as a church, how much energy are you going to spend going after those who are kind of very comfortable at home watching it on their TV versus those who maybe have never been inside a church door before, who are going through a pandemic with without any hope in the past and now desperately need the church hope the church has. I kind of tell people it's probably best to go after those who've never been church, who are more open to the gospel now, than going after those who are kind of very comfortable at home.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and you know, I I agree. I I agree with you. And I, I think you you keep you know the door open for those that are comfortable at home and you 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 nudge them, but you know you don't you don't push too hard. You actually do go for those individuals that are looking for fellowship and community, and they're needing, like you said, the hope that the church offers, you know, in in Jesus Christ. And so, as this thing transitions, and so th- there's a there's been a few points in this pandemic where it was open, free, and then closed back down, and then open again, and they. How was that? You know those time periods when you were nav- navigating through those.
1: Well, we we had a couple of those. We had the the so when it first happened in that first wave, because we were so late adapting to it. By the time the second wave, which is a Delta wave, came yeah. through, people either decided that you know what, I don't care anymore. I, I'm sick of this pandemic. I'm just if if God's gonna call me home, He's gonna call me home. And they and they didn't shut down again, so we didn't have people like re-shut down again. Right, right. right. Um, they just decided once they opened, they were going to stay open. So many waited to the very, very last minute to open up because they didn't. They knew shutting down again was going to be too devastating, so they did not shut down a second time. Yeah. Um And those who never shut down never did. So it either they waited longer to make sure that this things really seemed to be out, or you know what it was. The turning point was not the second wave the turning point was the vaccine for some people. Yeah. When people started getting vaccinated in our church body, no matter how you feel about that, because <laughs> there's debate about that too. Yes,
0: there is. Yes, there is.
1: So when those people started getting vaccinated, they felt safer coming back to church. And so you started seeing some of those who were kind of, you know, I need to wait for this to ha- this vaccine to come through, and then I'll go back to church. So that that was more the turning point than uh the second wave opening or not opening?
0: Yeah, I think when the vaccine came, um, like you said, there was a lot of apprehension. There was a lot of uh, propaganda. There was a lot of information, like you said. You know, uh, Dr. Fauci became an overnight celebrity uh, for good and for bad. (laughs) You know, uh, people loved him and hated him at the same time. Uh, And this whole idea of, vaccinate not vaccinate we'll we'll hold off on that mask so in uh, in 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 services you know some churches set up you know kind of a <laughs> i call it like a triage almost where at the front door as you're walking in they're taking temperatures and you know they have masks on hand and hand sanitizer for you as you're coming through the door uh work were your congregations doing that? I know the ones that probably just stayed open. I don't know if did they add any, you know, any of those things to their to their worship services.
1: So almost everybody, whether they, whether they open, stayed up or not, had they did the mask thing. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. um, like I said, some had hand sanitizers. Most had hand sanitizers. They they tried to do as best as possible to make sure that this workspace and the thing was as contactless as possible some of ours even moved to drive through communion to avoid even having to touch the communion wear. So we, we had all kinds of ways to do that. Um, some of our churches even decided to do communion at home, which is in our church body was a little bit controversial. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was the vision on, could you, could you come by and pick it up and do it at home? Could you get your own stuff at home and do it? So that was another theological issue for, (laughs) for us. Um, but yeah, no, everybody did their best to make sure if they're going to stay open that they, were, they did it as safely as possible. So they did the mask, the pastor wore mask. Now the problem with the pastor wearing the mask was it became hard, especially when they were trying to preach, with that <laughs> mask on. I right. mean, people couldn't understand them. So you you started getting to the point where the message started to suffer because people really just were not getting, they needed that. I remember watching a pastor preach a mascot, and I, it just was a different kind of message because you, you need to be able to see his facial expressions, you know, the, the cue that this is this is the good news versus this is the law, you know. Right, right. You can't see that face and, and the smile and the the softening tone or the the sterner look, you know, all the things that we do as pastors to say this is really important. That kind of got lost in some of this if you were doing in person with a mascot, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and some churches, you know, they just well, there was enough distance, you know, between the pastor and the congregation that they, you know, if you were up front, you could take that mask off. You know, if you had a worship team, the worship team could have their mask off, but as soon as they came down from worship, they had to, you know, put it back on. And and some of that is still lingering even now. Um, you know, even for our church, uh we're starting because Colorado is kind of yeah, we're we're pretty much pretty much no mask. Right now, uh, because so many people are vaccinated and they're just like, look, we're going to have to go through for natural immunity, (laughs) you know, and hopefully we build up herd immunity where uh, there's so many people vaccinated that people aren't catching. And the numbers are dropping, you know, because, you know, the weather's, the temperature's rising, you know, over the winter, it, you know, went up because of the temperature drop, of course. But so going, so what are some of the things that you learned? Uh, overseeing these pastors that actually benefited what what we're going to see in the coming years for the church
1: the benefits are going to be hard to measure yeah i think the the trauma is going to be easier to identify cuz to me what came out of this was you had a lot of exhausted pastors <laughs> um because this really hit them hard i mean like you talked when you talked earlier when you have a church divided about, do we stay open because we're church versus state separation? Do we follow the guidelines? You had churches that were divided over those issues and who got put in the middle of it was pastors. So my message to churches during the middle of this was, please remember your pastor's trying to make the best decision with the information he has. And I would ask you to to approach that with forgiveness and grace. Because none of these decisions are easy, and they're a constant struggle, and nobody has all the answers. Yeah. Um, so, what's coming out of it now is there are not a lot of positives. I, honestly, I'm trying to think of what the positives <laughs> were, but there are a lot of hurting pastors and musicians and church workers who are just trying to to get their footing again. They're just exhausted with all this fighting, and and it's not. Then it, be, it went from a health concern to political fighting yeah it it got really ugly because it became politicized so you got pastors here in iowa we got we got a mixture of course like everybody else does but depending on what kind of state you were in if you were in a a red state versus a blue state it became a real political fire football if you were kind of in a purple state it was really ugly (laughs) because you could get two-thirds and one half your congregation are different sides of this coin and nobody won so I just saw a lot of a lot of COVID fatigue in our pastors.
0: Yeah, and 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 I I experienced that. I it was very difficult, you know. And I, I thank you for saying that. You know that we were just trying to do the best that we could with the information that was given. And we're looking, and we have you know our our staff looking for you know what are the what are the new guidelines? What is this, and what are we going to do? You know, there were you know elders meetings where for two hours you know the only thing we talked about on the agenda is are we going to stay zoom (laughs) are we going to bring people back in the room and it's like well here's the pros and cons and here's the this and this is what the cdc is saying and this is what uh the the state is saying this is what the local you know city is doing this is what the mayor said last week and it's like for two hours everything else on the agenda that we never got to <laughs> because there was only one thing that was driving our conversation. And it, there was a fatigue. There was a, almost a, a, a hopeless, like <sighs> whatever, just, let's just open the doors <laughs> or, you know, and you just, you, you almost, you, you didn't want to be reckless and you know, well, we can't just do that. Okay. Let's. And so, um, I think mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, um, a lot of people aren't recovering i got a message from a pastor this morning um just asking for prayer uh because his, his congregation still hasn't recovered and you know he's been in ministry for a long time so he understands the ebbs and flows but there's something different about what happened you know uh, as a result of this pandemic and in 2022 you know, our, our hope is to see some normalcy, to see some restoration, to see the church bounce back stronger. So in 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 the the uh the churches that you are uh overseeing, do you see that resiliency? Do you see some of them bouncing back?
1: So I, I should probably say this. I, I I probably underestimated there were a was some positives because it was okay okay. It was like, okay, okay. <laughs> What I will say the positive was, was churches had to learn to navigate digital online service. They had to learn that because you were forced to in most cases. So I would say people upped their game when it came to online worship. People even got new new cameras where they could yeah. do different angles because the worst thing in the world you get to do if you're a pastor never working with, with video is, I don't know about your church, but we we turn— to the altar a lot and pray that <laughs> way and we turn to the people so when you're doing video worship you can't turn your back on camera it's, right, it's right, like, right so people had to like unlearn these behaviors of how you do worship because now you have to face the camera you can't you know the microphone won't pick you up if you're not facing the microphone right So they had to, they had to learn that better they had to buy, upgrade and buy equipment we had people who had never done online services before who now did it and their members loved it because if you're your grandmother and and you're you're not feeling well or it's like here in Iowa, like in Colorado, it's snowy Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) and you
1: have to miss church for for three or four weeks because the snow was always hits on Sunday. (laughs) Right now, you now can go to church, even though you can't actually be physically in church so. They benefited from having that online worship. They could tell their friends about their, their church who could now visit with that church online, too. So some of our churches started reaching people that were not in their locale Yeah, you know, all across the country. Like, oh, I, I used to go to church when I was a kid. I'm going to go turn on their Facebook page. I'm going to watch the service. Um, So that, that, that was a, bit, a big plus. We also didn't see a drop in income offerings here. Right during the pandemic. Matter of fact, our offerings in most churches here actually went up during the pandemic. I'm concerned now that the post pandemic and with the inflation rate, they're giving may tank. Yeah. Um it's just because you got you got a situation where people have less income, less money. The results of the pandemic are gonna start hitting in this year and the next couple years. So that may be the next wave that the church has to deal with coming forward out of the pandemic. But they upped their game when it came to technology on online worship, online Bible studies, pastors got more engaged on how can I reach more people than I typically do by having Bible class in my church on Sunday or during the week?
0: Yeah, because, you know, uh, some of our churches and our church in in particular gained members that were out of state that um, make it so that zoom and things like that stay on, like, you know what, we're going to keep it on because we have out of state members now who log in faith, faithfully every Sunday. And so I do think that that is a, that's a huge benefit. Um, and yes, you know, we had to up our game. We had to figure things out. You know um, we had to, we had to get used to being behind this camera, <laughs> you know, talking into the microphone with no crowd out there, <laughs> you know, and, and 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 learning, you know what what you need, what you don't need, and and like you said, I, I don't necessarily have to turn to the altar, but I'm a I'm a walker, and so I kind of walk, and I don't stand, <laughs> you know, still. And so, you know, we had to create camera shots that when I took when I went off the mark, they switched the camera, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And so, uh, I definitely view that as as an advantage because. It does allow you to reach people Um, when I'm in the store, uh, because I've been a pastor in my area for a long time. So when I'm walking through the community or going to the grocery store, you know, people, you know, I'm blessed that people know who I am and they'll say, hey, I didn't see you guys on Facebook last week or you're not going. And it's like, wow, I didn't know that people were listening and watching from those places, people that had never, you know, come through my doors you know, they knew I was a pastor, but they had never come through the doors. But they were watching on Facebook. You know, so the reach of the church did expand and did grow. Um, and so, back to the other question, the resiliency. Um, and I like what you said that yeah, that wave is coming, and I, I we feel it. I feel like we feel it already that with inflation, with things going up, uh, that there is going to be a struggle in the giving. Um, but do you see churches preparing for it? Are they, are they ready for it? Or what do we need to do to get ready for it?
1: I think we have to do two things. Um, here's my putting on my stewardship hat now.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: <laughs> um, we have to teach people what stewardship is. We have to help. We have to help our members, especially those who are younger. One of my goals as a pastor always was I felt it was my responsibility to disciple my members to understand about kingdom generosity Yeah, because it's not dependent upon how well I'm doing in the market, how how fat my 401k is. God has blessed me. So how do I take the blessings that God has given me and give a portion back to God of what's already his? We, we sometimes get in that argument about, well, what's mine is mine and what's mine, what's his is mine. You know, <laughs> But reminding us that all of us, God's, and God will provide, but helping our members who, who may be struggling to learn how to budget, to learn how to invest in things that are inflation-proof, you know, kind of a thing. You know, teaching them just some ba- basic biblical stewardship is really important, especially as it becomes more and more scarce around them. So working together as a community to do things, um, Maybe partnering with local farmers to help or, or, or doing even a, a community garden might be a way if, if produce get to be out of hand. You know, the church could be a wonderful place to experiment with some things going back to that, what you said before, that idea of community. Yeah. What a great time to be a community when people have massive needs and there's still some who still have been blessed that can be a blessing to others. So now is the time to really step up our community game to help our, to help our people who may need more help than others.
0: Right, 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 right. Uh, I I think that is, it's fundamental. Um, and so I, our church, we've been doing a series called Back to the Fundamentals. Uh, and we've been going through our church declaration that I'm born again, spirit-filled, spirit-led, uh, Bible-grounded, grace-empowered, loving, forgiving, generous, committed to community, continuous in prayer, enthusiastic in my serving, patient in my suffering, and prepared to see Jesus when that day comes. And so We've been going through this series of those things. And and we, you know, taught just a a week ago on generous. And we looked at generous being about community. And and this week is committed to community. So right after being generous, we're going right into committed to community and how those two gel together. But they come out of biblical love, right? Right. They They come from understanding that agape or agapeo love. That, that that God wants us to, to show towards first him and then towards others. And I think fundamentals are going to help us, would you say, going forward, getting people back to the basics of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Do you feel like that that's a, a need going forward?
1: It's always a need because you're dealing with people right now who many people are have lost hope. This This pandemic thing has just suck the joy out of so many people. And the only place you're going to find joy, notice I said joy, not happiness, because <laughs> happiness is based on my circumstances. Right? Joy is something that God places in my heart that is not dependent upon whether or not I have three squares a day or not. Joy comes from that relationship I have with Jesus Christ, and that guides me and gives me hope. So we have to get people back to the, to the joy-filled living Because that's where the church can teach resilience, because you can't be resilient without joy. Yeah. Uh, Without joy, if you base your whole life on happiness, you're going to be disappointed every other day. There's going to be something you wake up in the morning before your cup of coffee that's going to make you not happy. You can't turn your computer on. You can't turn the TV on. You can't turn the radio (laughs) on because on the way to work, something that's not joy-filled will come into your life. So you have to make sure people are grounded, like you said, in the basics of understanding I'm just a— a nomad here this is not my final destination and it may be unpleasant the time that i'm here even the last little bit time I'm here but there's something waiting for me on the other side that is so wonderful yeah. um that i i can just be joyful no matter what the day brings
0: yeah uh, past keith I, I was thinking as you were talking um in the middle of the pandemic we had a present presidential election <laughs> which Kind of, and, and we kind of spoke on this before. Kind of politicized the pandemic, um, and and when that happened, what was the climate for uh, the churches? You know, in your denomination, what were what was happening then for 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 those 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 pastors in those churches?
1: I would say the the election <laughs> was difficult for a lot of reasons. Um, you had people on one side who were fed up with the previous administration and they were voting against the previous administration, right? You had others who saw the previous administration as messianic.
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And, and, and that got us in trouble as, as a people too, because when we elevate anyone to messianic status. No matter no matter how you felt about policies, I don't want to get into the whole thing. Right to me, it was it was just it was just dangerous because we we started becoming irrational in after the election in, in November. I, I saw people who were who were saying we just had a prayer service and and God's going to somehow overturn the election result. I mean, oh. we it, there was just <laughs> there yeah because people were so demoralized if you were on the other side of that or they were so hopeful that this is going to, this all of a sudden, now the new, the new president, he's going to bring back something that wasn't possible either. So <laughs> you had two unrealistic sides of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and half your populate, your car is going to be upset or half of them. We're going to be excited. So you're dealing with disappointment. You're dealing with a pandemic. You're dealing with, you know, one, one, one side saying, we're going to, we're going to, cure the pandemic i'm like no you're not gonna cure the pandemic right and so yeah people believe in that it's just it's just it's a matter of management you know we can and so and then we went from because it got politicized went from being a hopeful guys got this under control to now we went from you know slowing the curve to we're going to eliminate death i mean we got we we i started hearing politicians promising there would be no more death anymore i'm like whoa yeah. Jesus Christ didn't say that. Why Why are you promising no one's going to die again? I mean, so it, it just, I had to remind people, stop looking for a savior. You already have one. Mm. That's the exact same problem Israel had. It's like, we must have a king. Everybody else has a king. Give us a king. So we gave you Saul. He's tall. He's handsome. He's strong. And he's a horrible king. <laughs> And, and God kept saying, don't look for your king. I am your king. And so the church needed to and needs to continue to stop looking to politicians to be their king. Yeah. They already have a king. And yeah. we have to focus on that because I tell people the hero you're looking for is is none of the people you're talking about. The hero you're looking for died on the cross 2,000 years ago and is sitting on the throne. That, that's your hero. Amen. Anybody else will disappoint you.
0: Amen. And that's the truth. You know, even as pastors, we have to tell people that don't, don't look to me. I'm looking to Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, right. so we both need to be looking to him, you know, because he's the one that has the answers and, and, and you're so right. And, and as you were talking, I thought about, uh, I just did a podcast with a friend of mine who is a, um, a clinical psychologist and an ordained minister. And we were talking about isolationism and the effects of the pandemic. Uh, for you, I want to ask the question about pastors and their mental health during the pandemic. You kind of alluded to earlier how hard the pandemic was on a lot of pastors. Uh, in your position, did you come into contact with pastors that were really suffering uh, mentally and emotionally?
1: So, what happened with, with our pastors, and you probably had this yourself. They were so busy trying to figure out the guidelines. They didn't realize they were burning out. You know, it's like we kept checking in and saying, how you doing? No, I'm doing all right. I I just got to keep, keep pressing on, pressing on. It wasn't until later on, like two years into this, that we started seeing people going, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired. And I'm not sure why, or I'm, I'm depressed and I don't know why they right. didn't even like so much of the stuff that happened to pastors and other people who were, you know, frontline workers, police, hmm. the impact didn't hit them while they were going on. Cause it's like anything else you're doing. Adrenaline is driving. right? Right. You. But at some point your adrenaline stops and it just hits you like a ton of bricks. And it's like, Whoa. And, and by that time, you don't think it's a pandemic anymore. So now my goal is to help them realize it's still post pandemic fatigue. You just don't think about the pandemic as much anymore. So we got to still deal with the issues that are there and help people identify that those issues are still underlying everything in your field.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's true cuz you're just you're trying to keep your head above water, water, you're trying to keep, you know, the congregation going, you're trying to keep people engaged uh, uh and and you're trying to you know, not, you don't want anybody to get sick under your watch. I mean, I mean, it, which was, you know, basically impossible, but you're trying, right? You're, you're trying to make sure that nobody, like, I don't want anybody in our church, you know, we had we had members that, you know, had Corona and, you know, they stayed home um, and they quarantined and things like that. And the first time it happened, oh my goodness, there was such a huge weight It was just a huge weight. Like, did I fail? Did I, where did they get it from? Did they get it at the church because we stayed open? Did I mess? You know, I mean, there was so much going on, you know, and then you find out that, well, they weren't even at the church, you know, for the last two weeks. So they couldn't have got it there. And, but even just hearing somebody who was a member had it made other members say, yeah, so that's why I'm not going to church, you know? And it's like, it was, Oh man. And so it did weigh on your shoulders um, mentally, emotionally, and then, you know, trying to keep your own family safe. And, uh, and then, so here's, here's something that I want to kind of bring forward as a pastor, I felt like it was kind of my obligation that when vaccinations came out, that I should be vaccinated because I'm visiting people's homes uh, I'm counseling, I'm discipling people one on one in order for me to be there and be available, I felt like I needed to be vaccinated. Well, other people said, well, you better not take that jab. You're you know, they were, they were going as far as to say that you're taking the mark of the beast. I mean that's that's how deep this thing got. That you know somehow you're you're taking death and you you know what was the the you know, the the belief system or what was the the popular opinion you know as far as taking the vaccine when that did come up for pastors.
1: We had we had a mixture of both of those two because you got to remember when the vaccine actually got approved, you had one side saying they wouldn't take it; it, it was poison. <laughs> right and then when that like won, like oh it's the greatest thing since sliced bread well it's like, <laughs> which one is it
0: you which know one is it?
1: <laughs> both both things can't be true so in in, a, in the black community we were very leery of
0: of course <laughs>
1: because we have a history of not trusting the government for stuff so um some of them did never got vaccinated they're like you know i'll take my chance with covid because i it, natural immunity is is probably stronger than the vaccine we had some that ran out and got it right away because, like you, they're like I- I'm visiting people. I don't want to pass it on to somebody. I don't want to get it myself. Um, so we we had a mixture, and we had people that were looking for. They they didn't trust that it it didn't come from stem cells of infants, which found, later found out some of it did. So there were moral obliga- you know, questions about it. They just yeah. didn't like the way it was pushed out. People didn't like the way that it was it was almost being forced on people it, the forcing on people really got people really not to ta- want to take it when it first came out more people were likely to take it because they didn't feel like it was being pushed on them right but the more the government seemed to push the more some of the pastors and members went no you're not you pushed that that closing the church on me you're not gonna push this on me too <laughs> so you know it, it the the rollout and the communication was horrible so you you, you had all that going on and then you had other stories coming out in the same, you know, places where there were different stories about the vaccine, you know, so it, it was a mixture. Some, some did it right away. We didn't have a, we didn't, I would, didn't have a lot. We had a, we had a huge outbreak early on in, in the pandemic. We had less numbers dropping more and more because we have less people just population wise. We only have 3 million people in Iowa. So some of our major places had it, but our smaller rural town, they went, you could distance there and not not run to many people so yeah Yeah. it's a long answer to your question
0: but no 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 it's a thorough answer thorough answer because because it's a complex issue it's not just a simple right it's very complex and even now as we seem to be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel there's this fear that it's not over that there's another wave coming and all you need is just a, a especially with, and I didn't actually didn't plan to talk about this, but because it's happening, because of what's happening over in the Ukraine with Russia, it gives people this feel of end times, right? You know, you got wars and rumors of wars, you got disease and hunger and famine, and uh, as as pastors, there's a pressure to speak to this. And how would you advise pastors to speak to this in a faithful way that they're not just, you know, uh, headline chasing, you know, but they're actually, you know, speaking to it because it's necessary or, you know, their congregation needs, you know, some, you know, consolation about it.
1: Well, you got to kind of have the perspective that the disciples had. When Jesus ascended into heaven, there was a thought he'd be back next week. (laughs) <laughs> right. and, and so they live their life with the anticipation that Christ was coming back tomorrow. We have gotten the, we live our life almost with the impression, impression that Christ didn't come back anytime in our lifetime. So I can do whatever.
0: Mm.
1: So <laughs> I think <laughs> we have to, as pastors tell our congregation, we have to prepare and live our life as though Christ is coming back tomorrow because he might be. Yeah, And, and yes, these, these are the signs of, these are the birth pains that we're seeing around us. So because these are the birthing pains of the end time, we have to prepare ourselves that he might come tomorrow. So how am I engaged in God's word? Where am I finding my strength? It's got to be in God's word. And knowing that if he does come tomorrow, that I am ready to receive that with the the, come Lord Jesus come. And so we want to equip our people to be in God's word, to have God's word on our hearts, to be able to communicate that to our kids and our families and our friends, to, to remind them that, yeah, if he does come tomorrow, Hey, we get to go be in a choir the next day.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And, and, and it's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's one of the truest things that you can tell them, you know, so often people ask me, I preached a message um, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago from Matthew 24, you know, and the title was don't be shaken, don't be troubled. And from that Matthew chapter 24, And, you know, Jesus tells his disciples that these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And so we are in those birth pains. We are in that, in that crucial season where there are just a few events that need to, you know, culminate. (laughs) And all of a sudden we're there, you know, and when people begin to uh, think fearfully. One of the things that I, I noticed early on with the pandemic, when the idea of the mark of the beast that the that the that they were going to come up with a vaccine and the vaccine was going to be the mark of the beast. So get ready, because, you know, they're going to come up with a vaccine and they're going to put the mark of the beast on you. <laughs> Sometimes as a pastor, it's hard to deal with those type of um ideologies because the people you know um putting them out there are so well articulating (laughs) and they are passionate and your members come to you and they are fearful they're like look they said this and and what are we going to do about this and you're like let's go to scripture and let's look at it yeah but what about what they're saying can we go to scripture and look at it I think we need to really address this because this is what they're saying. I know you know, in your position you weren't right in congregations, but did those type of things come your way?
1: Well, there's always people who have those kind of questions. and what I always tell people is we have to rely on like you said, scripture and yeah, okay, so realize that if you're in the middle if those things were true, let's just let's just take your assumption that that stuff is true so how do we battle it? Do we go take up arms? Do right. we go attack the people that are false prophets? Or do we realize that if that is true, then we're in the middle of a spiritual warfare and what are the spiritual warfare weapons? Right. <laughs> well, what, is, what does Ephesians 6 say? Put on the whole armor of God. So what's the armor of God? Are you arming yourself with the sword of truth? Are you putting on the shield of faith? Are you putting on the, the sandals of peace? Do you Do you have the equipment on you to deal with the mark of the beast coming at you because you can't shoot the devil
0: <laughs> <laughs> right right
1: so if you got to fight him you better know you better get your tools ready get your tool belt get your your, your equipment and get ready to deal with them that's how you fight him you you, you say okay if that's true then let's let's be about this be a praying church. So we can pray that God gives us strength for this. Let, let's not be on the on the defensive, on the offensive, we'll be on the defensive, but we'll be on the offensive. Let's let's get our spiritual muscle going so we can handle all this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Our our church started um a 6 a.m. prayer um in uh 2020, June of 2020. And we've been going ever since then, every morning at 6 a.m., whether there's one person on there or 20 people on there um we've been going every day praying praying for our government praying for our city and state officials municipalities praying for our school system praying for each other praying you know and we have seen people contract covid and make it through covid we've seen you know people lose family members and so they really needed that prayer line and so that was something that we um we 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 put, we put in, in into the rotation and it's been there as a anchor for a lot of people. Um, what are some of the things that um, you guys have done to support people through this pandemic that maybe you weren't doing before?
1: We just really focused them on, on being in God's word. It really was because you have, I said, if you haven't started a Bible class, do one. Encourage your people to be there because they need to be in God's word in the middle of all this. Because you're not gonna find strength in, in watching the latest CDC report. Right. You're not gonna find strength in whatever your the governor says or the municipalities say or the health department says. You you gotta put your hope and your trust in the Lord. And that's really where you gotta go back to. You gotta go back to the like you said, go back to the basics. And what are the basics? The things that we know that we can do. And and our, and we gotta remind people that. This again this is not our final destination. You got to keep right, reminding me right. of that. You know, what are we afraid of? You're afraid of what? Being with God, being with Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> right. we, we we don't want to take the express, true enough. But <laughs> when our time comes, our time comes and how do we make sure we're at peace with that when that time comes? Yeah, so absolutely. That's what we got to point but you got to point it back to that cuz otherwise it, the the hope is not going to be found outside of outside of God and outside of his word.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Pastor, Pastor Keith, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed this time, and I'm, I'm praying that, you know, those that listen to this, the information um, kind of helped them to sort some things out. I mean, we can't address all the issues, right, in, in, in 45 minutes or an hour, but hopefully we were able to give um, our listeners something to think about. Um, are there any Final thoughts that you have, and I always ask my guests, you know, would they be willing to pray for our listeners uh, concerning this particular topic here, especially for our pastors? Sure, uh, this topic. Yeah,
1: I would remind pastors to to give yourself grace because you, you have you have been on the front lines for two years of a a war, a pandemic, of spiritual warfare on you and on your congregation members just give yourself grace if you didn't make every right decision no one does um, for the members who were hearing this who didn't give their pastor grace during that i would encourage them to do so uh, i'd encourage every person just to, to write a thank you to their pastor <clears throat> to, to let them know that they were appreciated that you you saw what they did you saw them standing in the gap um that you're praying daily for their families and for their their ministry and and that that you put a hedge around them because Satan wants them to fall, and, and they are vulnerable right now. They are tired. They are they're exhausted. They're spiritually worn, and and now we're about to go into the Easter season when when you have that other other set of things that you add to your plate as well. So just wrap your pastor in, in spiritual prayer and put a hedge around them.
0: Amen. Amen. Uh, would you pray for us?
1: My my pleasure. Dear Father, we just give you thanks, Lord, for all the listeners for this this podcast. We pray, Lord, for the spiritual leaders you've placed, the the shepherds in our care. Lord, we ask you to put a hedge around them because Satan wants them to fall, wants to to attack them with uh, doubt, with frustration, with the sense of wanting to give up and and not realizing how important they are for uh, the building of your kingdom and, and the message that you have them to send out to the world. Uh, We ask you to bless our churches that are still going through some post-pandemic stresses and issues. We pray for all the listeners who may be dealing with financial issues as well during this pandemic that they don't lose hope, but they put their heart and their trust in you because you are indeed the answer to uh, all of our life's issues in terms of not only just being our our Savior, but also providing for our daily needs. Lord, in all that we do, uh, may you be that that sole source that we look to in times of need. In your Son's name
0: we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Keith Haney. Uh, it, you have a podcast, don't you?
1: I do. It's called Becoming Bridge Builders.
0: Uh, amen. I, I will make sure that in the description, we have a link to that so people can um, check out what you're doing. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much uh, for coming on here and fellowshipping with me and uh, talking with me. This was really, really good. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And to my, what you do. Hey, bless, blessings to you. You know, we're, we're fellow, fellow servants, fellow workers in Christ. You know, it's his field and his building, right? Uh, and we get the pleasure of, of being a part of that. And it's amazing pleasure. Uh, to those listening, uh, remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And remember to love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you. Thank you for listening.